0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Today I want to take just the next few minutes uh, to speak the the Word of God to you and share something I want to, I believe that uh, is going to help you make a good deposit in your life of the Word of God because the Scripture says that the Word is life to those who find it and its health to all their flesh. And we believe in the power of the Word of God and how it can change a life in just a moment, and how it continues to transform us and change our lives over time. And that the, this path that we're walking, this path of the righteous, this, this born again life that we have now, the new creation experience that we have in Christ Jesus, is something that gets better and better and better as the days go by. Life in Christ never wears out. Life in Christ is always a new experience, a new thing, a new beginning. And so I just want to encourage you today to receive this word today and uh, just know that that we're here as a church to build people's lives. You know, I have a great responsibility yeah. as the pastor of this church to equip you for the work of the ministry yeah. so that you get the right tools in your hands to be an effective witness, to live an effective life that helps impact and influence those in your world. Amen. So we're going to go to the book of John today, and I've titled today's message, The Question of the Mud. The Question of the Mud. And we're going to look at an interesting story and an interesting miracle that Jesus performed on a man who was born blind. It's the most symbolic uh, gospel of all of them, John is. Uh, John is interesting, but he's not just sold out to recording things just because these are the facts of the story. That's not how he lays out the stories of Jesus. John takes us to a, a different place and makes it more personal, makes it more applicable to our lives. You know, when, even when he was t- tells of things that Jesus did or said, then John would even give commentary on it to help us understand why he did those things or why he said those things. Like when Jesus said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then John said, This is what he was spoken of. Uh, he was speaking of the Spirit who, was not, who had not yet fallen upon those who had believed. So John helps bring understanding to things like that for, for us to understand what does that mean that out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. John is the closest one to Jesus. John was the one who Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross, and John's the only one there. Everybody, All the other disciples had scattered, but John's there at the foot of the cross next to Jesus' mother and some other, other ladies, and, and Jesus then turns the care of his mother over to John. It says, and from that day forward, John took Mary into his own house. So special their relationship was, Jesus and John. And from all the hundreds of stories that John could have chosen, he was very strategic in choosing the ones that he did to, rep- to be the best representation of the things that Jesus does. In all of these stories, the way John brings them to us, there is... A significance that's beyond just the facts. And he writes them away so not only is it just about that person that maybe the story is about, but we also see ourselves in this story too. And so we want to look at the essential part of this story. This entire chapter is about this event, but we're going to look at the first seven verses uh, today and see something very interesting. Let's look at John chapter 9 and verse 1. Are you ready? Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work, as long as I am in the world. I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Father, thank you now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ to be upon All these who hear the word today, those that are here with us, those that are watching live stream right now, and those who will be listening by podcast, I thank you now, God, that you bless every hearer. We thank you for this moment where we invite your word to come into our lives, to change us, to grow us, to mature us, to help us, to strengthen us, to heal us, to restore us, to deliver us. All of it's found in your word. So we cling to your promises today. We cling to your word because your word says that it is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Yeah. So, Lord, we invite your word in its power now. Use us, change us, fill us today. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to leave here the same way we came in. Amen. We want to, after having encountered you, to leave here better than we came in today. In Jesus' name, Bye. amen. Interestingly enough, the way this opens up is predicated upon the prior chapter. In chapter 8, we see a beautiful story. We see a beautiful pardon by Jesus when a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery was brought to him and thrown at his feet. And at the end of that whole event, Jesus says, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Marvelous thing. And then he goes into and says, uh, uh, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And then it, that kind of caught some of the Jewish leaders' attention. So they start saying, well, how can you say that? We're already free. We're sons of Abraham. And Jesus said, if you were children of Abraham, if you were sons of Abraham, you would have accepted me. But instead, you've rejected me. No, no. So you're, you're, you're not of your father, Abraham. Matter of fact, you're of your father, the devil. Uh, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't ever want Jesus to say those words to me, right? I mean, that's just like, oh, that stings a little bit. He says, you're of your father, the devil. And What Jesus was saying was what God had said in the very beginning after Adam and Eve had been caught, uh, uh, after they had sinned, and so God shows up there, and there they all still are, the serpent, Adam and Eve, and God begins to talk to each of them and says, Adam, and Adam says, it was the woman you gave me, and then he goes to Eve and says, why have you done that? She says, the devil made me do it. Passing the buck is an old, old human trick. huh? It's an old age, old human trick. But one of the things that God said to the serpent was that I'm going to put enmity or hatred between your seed, talking to the devil, and her seed, capital S, speaking of the Redeemer who would come, his own son. And he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. So now we see the enmity. When Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil, what Jesus is saying, you're of the seed of the devil. The devil is the father of the whole religious system and the sons of that religious system. And they don't agree. And Jesus said, if Abraham were your father, you would have looked. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they said, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say Abraham rejoiced to see your day? Now look at chapter, the very end of chapter eight, look at verse 58. Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Now, this changed the whole tone of this meeting. Verse fifty. then they took up stones to throw at him because they saw that as blasphemy. He just called himself I Am, the God who spoke to the children of Israel in the desert, the God who's told Moses, you tell them I Am that I Am sent you. Now, who's this guy that has the audacity to claim that he's the I Am. So they take up these stones to throw at him. Look, but he hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by. Chapter 9, verse 1 then says, now as Jesus passed by, what's Jesus doing? He's trying to get out with his life. Right? These guys are trying to kill him and he's trying to get through the crowd. But watch this. As he's passing by, he sees a blind man. Let me tell you something. Jesus is never too busy. He's never too distracted to not be merciful and compassionate and to see you right where you are. In the midst of this urgent moment, he continues to be who he is. The word made flesh, going about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. I have to pause for just a moment because I see the newest member of One Cause Church has arrived today. Titus John Stoneking, the son of Josh and Sarah Stoneking is here. There he is. Check him out. All right. He looks like some of the other people I preach to. All right. <laughs> We're really glad you're here. I mean, Sarah, she was only in labor for 42 hours with this baby. Yeah. Maybe you ought to buy her a coffee or a piece of chocolate or something. And poor Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but in this moment, think about this. Like, they're, they're running, right? The disciples are with him, right? So they're trying to get out of there, and Jesus takes time to notice this man who's born blind, and apparently his gaze on the man caught their attention. So they, when they see this, they don't look at Jesus, look for Jesus to be merciful to the man and to heal him. They don't even ask him, Lord, heal this guy. It's interesting. They bring up a theological situation up. They make it a theological issue, and that is, why was he born blind? Who sinned, Jesus? This man or his parents, that he was born blind? First of all, what kind of question is that? How could this man have sinned before he was born blind? The only way that's even probable is if he's Hindu. Right? Sometime in the prior life. It's a foolish question. And, and he says, and the, and the mom and dad, and Jesus said, Nobody sinned. Nobody sinned to cause this. And it wasn't it wasn't a foolish thought that somebody did sin and for somebody to be sick because under the law that happened. You didn't obey the law, sickness and disease and death came into your life. Those, those were the consequences. And even the scripture says that by, by one man's sin, death came to all, right? By one Adam's sin alone. I mean, there was death and then all of its ugly cousins called sickness and disease and maladies and calamities and all those things. Why is he he blind? Whose fault is this, Jesus? The first thing that they look at this man with is a judgmental eye, maybe a comparison eye. They're focusing on the wrong things, but Jesus immediately moves to the important thing, and that is the man's need. And he says, this case has nothing to do with any individual sin, but rather this provides an opportunity to display what God is doing in the world. This is is an opportunity for God to receive glory. God is going to reveal himself through this man, not in the blindness, but in what, what I'm about to do. The work of God now is here. The work of God was not in the blindness. The work of God is in the healing. The glory of God is not in the sickness. The glory of God is in the healing. All right? Don't let religious legalistic people teach you anything else. Because God is good. God does not work against himself. All right? King Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. The scripture is very clear that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. God wasn't with the devil, God was with Jesus. And Jesus showed us, we're not on the same side. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have more abundantly. In other words, we're not on the same team. God is good, the devil's stupid and bad. Think about it. He mixes up some mud takes some time to fill his mouth full of spit, spits in the dirt, it begins to make this muddy salve. He puts it on the man's eyes, and then watch this. He puts it on the blind man's eyes, the man who already can't see, now he for sure can't see, and says, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. He doesn't take him by the arm and take him over there, he tells the blind man who can't see where he's going to go walk somewhere, to go find this pool and wash in it. Hmm. Now, from what I could best tell, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. I think that the chapter 7 tells us that's his geographical location, and it's somewhere between half a mile to a mile and a half from this actual pool. So this guy isn't just walking, you know, 10 steps to a pool, he's got to find his way there. And it's also down the hill. Go, blind man, that mud all over your eyes. Well, Jesus, this, that's what got my attention really in the story. It was the mud. Why are you putting mud on this man's eyes? What is this? What is this mud about? Mud really represents a challenge here. Well, what will this man do about the mud on his eyes? But it also represents Jesus' touch on his life. And the question is, what is he going to do about it? In Mark chapter 10, there's another story of a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. You all know the story of blind Bart? And Bartimaeus, as Jesus went by, cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people tried to hush him, but the scripture says he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And finally, the scripture says Jesus stood still and called for him. And the most interesting thing happened, the most interesting and peculiar detail in that story stands out to me, that the blind man, Bartimaeus, when the people said, "Oh, be of good cheer. First of all, they were all telling him to shut up. Now Jesus... He's got his attention, and he calls for him. The people are like, oh, Bart, Hey, uh, it's a miracle time for you. Be of good cheer. He's calling for you. And the most interesting thing happens. Blind Bart says that after Jesus called on him, it says he cast his coat aside and went to Jesus. Now, that's that's particularly interesting to me because he's blind. How's he ever going to find his coat again? If he casts it aside, something's going on in Bart. He knows something that I don't know. I think he's convinced he's about to get healed. And that coat, that beggar's coat represented security for him. It represented his identity, but now he's willing to just throw it all aside to go see Jesus. He's leaving the old life. And coming into the new thing. And even Jesus himself said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. Your faith is what has made you whole. That's what he's always looking for. Someone who will take him at his word. Who will simply believe him. Interesting, in both of these miracles, when it comes to miracles, there's always seems to be a part on God's part and man's part. And in these stories, it happens to be that blind Bartimaeus does his part first. He cries out to him. He throws the coat aside. Let me just tell you this. If you're going to come to Jesus, be willing to lay aside anything to receive the new life that he's come to give you. To receive what he has for you, be willing to not let anything hinder you. The scripture says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us and let us run the race with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God looking unto Jesus. Nothing's keeping me. I'm going to do my part. But in this other story, and then Jesus did heal him, but in this story that we just read, Jesus does his part first. He puts the mud on his eyes. He says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now it's his turn. Now it's his part. What is he going to do about this mud on his eyes? Let me remind you today of your new covenant reality that Jeremiah so wonderfully spoke of when we took communion together. That this new covenant, it's a better covenant, established on better promises. Yeah. Amen. In other words, he's already done his part. Yeah. Jesus has done everything he needed to do. When he said it is finished, it was finished. Yeah. But he needs you to do your part. Because yeah. God's not going to force anything on you. He gave you the beautiful gift of free will. Gave you the ability to choose for yourself. But he has done so much for you and wants to get so much to you and through you. There's always more with him. And so what does the blind man do with the mud? What does he do? A friend of mine, our family actually years ago, he was a former teacher at Christ for the Nations where I teach and... uh, uh, used to come out to our church in West Texas all the time. His name was Dr. John Garlock. And Dr. Garlock was a son of a missionary and did a lot of mission work himself. And he was acquaintance with this family who had a little girl who was born blind. And her name was Jackie. And when Jackie was about five years old, um, Brother Garlock had been over to their house several times. and it wasn't because it was through church means, really, because they they weren't real, they didn't believe in that same realm that he did. They didn't believe like we do in in the, the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, and the miracles that are all still relevant for us today, and walking by faith, and yeah. You know, all those kinds of things. They, their church experience was just one of those. And maybe you can relate to this. Maybe some other time in your life was, this was what we do. This, we're going to check off. Okay, that's what we did for the week. Church is just another thing to check off the list, right? All right? That's what we do. So we did our church thing. Okay, now we're going to, we have God over here in this category. And then we have this and this and this. And then Sunday's going to come around. We have God in this. You know, we're going to do our little God thing. And then we're going to keep going. That was it. It was all just kind of a religious gyrations, really. Nothing, No real relationship and nothing that's really impacting their life. And driving their life, so they had uh, some friends who believe like we do. Actually, uh, tell them, listen. There's an evangelist in town, and this guy has miracles in his ministry. We've seen some amazing things. Why don't you bring Jackie to this meeting? And at this point, you know the parents are they're they're desperate to see their daughter healed and whole. You can imagine, uh, and so they said, "Why not? <laughs> you know, nothing else has worked." So they take little Jackie to this meeting and the evangelist sure enough lays his hands on her and she leaves just as blind as she came. And Jackie had these other older siblings. She was the baby of the family and they had a very small living quarters, just two bedrooms, mom and dad's room and then her siblings were in the other room. So Jackie's bed was the couch in the living room. The next morning after that night of being prayed for, her mother goes into the kitchen which is just right there next to the living room to fix breakfast and she turns the light on And then Jackie says, Oh, mama, what did you just do? And her mother said, I just turned on the light, sweetheart. She says, do that again. Do that. Whatever you just did, do that again. So her mama flipped the light switch off and she says, yeah, that's how it always has looked. She said, do that again, mom. So her mom flipped the light switch on. She says, mama, what is that? And her mama said, that's light, Jackie. The next morning, Her mom comes in there again, turns on the light. It's a little brighter the next morning. The next day, it's a little brighter. And before long, Jackie can make out her mom and dad's faces for the first time ever in her life. And her siblings. And now she can see the furniture in the living room, the pictures on the wall. And Brother Gollock said, the last time I was there, I saw little five-year-old Jackie sitting at the dining room table coloring in a coloring book like any normal five-year-old girl does. Because Jesus Christ... It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's still in the healing business today because his body was broken for us to ensure that that healing is in full force today. And maybe you're here today and you need healing in your body. And I'm telling you, the power of Jesus Christ is present here now to heal you. But I don't want to just limit it to that physical healing reality. I want to speak to you beyond the matter of that into whatever miracle you may need a new life maybe you're facing a big problem that uh, you need you need it to be solved the power of Jesus is also here to accomplish that for you yeah. Amen. and he's done his part but what will you do about the mud my son John Dylan would you please come up here and help me Will you be the blind man with the mud on your eyes for me today? No. No? Well, too bad. We're going to. (laughs) So let's... uh, Let's Let's put this on. You ready? Here we go. All right. Doesn't that look nice? Doesn't that look great? Here we go to the side. All right. Okay. Doesn't he look fantastic, folks? Amen. He takes the mud and he anoints his eyes. Now, at this point, the blind man can possibly say, How is this helping? I mean, I'm blind already, but you're making me even more blind. Because even if I could open my eyes, I'd still only see mud. How is this making any sense to my healing process? There are several things the blind man could have thought or said. But he's just standing there. So far, he's had no part to play. He has not even asked Jesus for healing. Jesus just came over and started doing it. I mean, think about it. He hears these guys having a conversation, but the next thing he knows, he hears... And he starts rubbing the stuff on his eyes. Okay. he says, go. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Nothing about this makes sense. What a strange thing for Jesus to do. Jesus, isn't there another way that you can heal? I mean, couldn't you just lay your hand on me, or can't you just say, eyes be open? Why are you putting mud on my eyes? What's the point of this? And then making me stumble through whatever i got to stumble through to get to that pool called Siloam and wash my eyes in there. What's up with this, Jesus? Are you trying to embarrass me? Are you trying to shame me? I'm about as ashamed as I can be. Everybody that walks by me every day of my life that I've been out here begging, they all think that the judgment of God is on my life. They're all looking at me out of the corner of their eye. They're all scoffing at me. And now you're putting mud on my eyes and it looks like you're making me a clown amongst everyone. Why? Why would you do that? Why are you doing it this way? As a matter of fact, Jesus, this is actually worse. I'm going to get a second opinion about this. There's lots of ways he could have responded. He could have said this is utter foolishness and just started wiping the mud from his eyes and just went on with life as it always has been. And you know what? You can walk out of here today and continue to live life And experience it as it always has been. Or, or, or you can do something today. Or you can do your part. Or you can arrive at the miracle that you've been needing in your life. You can have what God wants you to have. You can see that promise realized in your life. If you just be willing to do what he says to do. By believing Him above everything that you see or experience right now. See, this goes beyond the sensual realm. This kind of thing is nothing but foolishness in a physical world. This doesn't make sense. You can't reason this out. There's something else that you have to hold on to. You have to dig deeper inside of you and... And besides just what you know in the physical and the natural, the taste, touch, smell, hear, and see, there's this other sense that has been given to you by God, a measure of faith. And that faith is knowing when you don't know. Knowing that you know even when you don't know. It's the assurance. It's the evidence of uh, the uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yeah. It really is the real deal. It's how God sees things. And when you yeah. believe God, you can begin to say what he says and see what he sees. Yeah. It's beyond our own ability. And so you have to somewhat become blind to your circumstances and fully aware of him. Come on. Eyes open to him. So that when he speaks, you're not worried about what that looks like. You're not worried about how long it takes. You're sold out to his promise. This is what this man had. He did not have senses to take him, the right senses to take him to where Jesus told him to go. He had a word. And when the man responded to the word, go, he went. He went on that word. And when he got there to that pool, he began to wash the mud off of his eyes. Yeah. And as he washed and as he washed and as he watched and he started blinking, everything, all of a sudden, Pray. his whole world had changed. Pray. He could see. Pray. He could see. And he returned to Jesus rejoicing. Yeah. Well, God said this is going to be to the glory of God that God may be glorified, that his works may be manifested. You can see that by the, this time, that finally the people start noticing, wait, that was the guy that was blind. That was he who was blind. And he was the guy who was born blind, uh, born blind. Some of them said, no, he looks like him. This guy can see. That guy was blind. <laughs> and it caused such a ruckus that they bring him before the religious leaders, and the religious leaders said, how did this happen? And he says, uh, uh, a man touched me. A man touched my eyes. A man named Jesus. Well, where is he? I don't have any idea. I was blind when he touched me. I didn't see him. I, I didn't see till I got to the pool. I, don't even, I have no clue what he looks like. I think his name was Jesus. Well, where is he? I don't know where he is. Well, what do you have to say about this matter? We believe he's a sinner. Oh, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. Here's all I know. I was blind. Now I see. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. Yeah. What do you believe about him? Well, I believe he was a prophet. No, he wasn't. Okay. He just did something that's never been done in the world. He opened my eyes. I've never been able to see. I didn't just go blind. I was born this way. You explain that. And just, I mean, God's just the testimony's getting further and further. I'm talking about in just a few minutes. The power of God is being revealed. The glory of God is being revealed through this testimony. Now, what do you do with the mud? I can't see the mud in your eyes today. What are you going to do about what God has told you? What are you going to do about the instructions Jesus has given you? Because he's going to tell you things to come by his spirit. He's going to guide you into all truth. And, and maybe you ignored that thing. You're not alone. (laughs) You're not alone in that. You know when the Spirit of God's talking to you, huh? Because that's when you turn the volume up on the TV. That's when you go start looking in the refrigerator for something to eat because you're bored. Something to distract you. Hmm? But if you'll let Him speak to you and if you'll heed His voice and walk by faith, believe His Word and act on it, this is what brings you into that realm of the miracles supernatural encounters in the natural course of life. Maybe today you're hearing you need a new life. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never accepted Him as your Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity because I believe that God brought you here today for this moment to receive Christ as your Savior. I also believe that he brought you here today Thank you. to make some changes, to decide today, yeah. to, once and for all, I'm not going to keep living the same experience. I'm not going to keep living life as it is. I don't care how crazy it is. I'm going to follow Jesus because yeah, yeah. yeah. I want my miracle. Yeah. Thank you. He's done his part. He's touched you. He died for your sins. God knew that we were all sinners. We don't even live up to our own concept of right and wrong as human beings. And he knew that we were powerless to save ourselves. So he sent his son to die for our sins. And he did. So that we can be forgiven. And if you're willing to receive Jesus into your life today, he'll also give you the power to overcome every temptation in your life. Right. To live a life of victory. To live a new life. Forgiveness transforms us. It brings us out of darkness and brings us right into a family to be called the children of God. Can we just bow our heads for just a moment? I want to first talk to you here today who have, you don't, you don't know God, you don't know life in Christ because you've never received him. You've just been trying to do good and be good to people and not hurt anybody. But all that still falls way short of God's requirement of what is right. The problem is, it's not our actions, our failures, our sins. It's our condition. We're all born sinners. So you're already born broken. That's why God offers to be born again, born of the Spirit, a new life in Him, a new nature, a new desire, and out of that new nature, see, now your actions it begins to affect your actions, your thinking, your talking, your, your believing, your speaking, all of those things. But that's the first thing. That's the first step. Christianity is not not about turning over a new leaf. No, Christianity is about a whole new life not about just making a better choice. (laughs) It's not about moral behavior. It's about life in Christ. So I want to invite you to come to know him today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Eric, I want to be saved today. I want to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. I want new life with him. I want that miracle at work in my life. I want to identify with him that he died for my sins so I don't have to die from my sins. Are you here today? Just slip up a hand. I want to pray for you right where you are. Today is your day where God can become your father in heaven, your eternal home. And just by raising your hand, you're acknowledging that's me. I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Maybe today also you're here and and you need healing in your body. And today you want to take a step of faith and say, I believe Jesus. I accept that he, his body was broken for me. And I'm going to hold on to that promise until I see it in my body. Are you here? Let me just, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. Hallelujah. Okay, maybe, maybe you've got a financial need today. All right. And you're, it's beyond your, it's beyond your strength right now. You've got more month than you do money. but I'm here to say that God will supply all your need according to his Riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He's very concerned about your need. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand too as well? All right? Lord, thank you right now. Okay, and one more thing I want to just address. I felt the Spirit of the Lord speak to me. Some of you need some help in your marriage right now. Your marriage is is in trouble. You've been having some real difficulties. Just raise your hand I want to pray for you as well. Lord, thank you right now for restoring, for healing marriages. Right now that love would abound. Love that removes, that casts out all fear. Love that covers a multitude of sins. That love would be. Love would be the bond. Love would be the emphasis. Thank you, Father God, for healing these relationships. And helping this man and woman to walk together in the grace of life. And to leave the past where it is. And to look forward together, arm in arm side by side. And I thank you, Lord, right now for, for our turnaround for those who are in financial trouble right now. Nothing is impossible with our God. Lord, you, you told Peter to go fishing and pull a gold coin out of his mouth. If you can do that, you can do anything. You can bring it any way. So I thank you, Father God for giving them access to your miracle power, something that's beyond human reasoning and understanding and ability. Thank you, Father God, for showing yourself strong on their behalf and for these bodies that need healing. I speak against every form of sickness, disease, calamity, malady, and pains in the name of Jesus. And I say that you must leave these bodies. I declare a healing invasion now, to invade them right now, and to penetrate every tissue and every cell and every fiber of their being, that their bodies would operate at peak proficiency according to their created purpose in the name of Jesus because you sent your word and you healed them and you delivered them from their destruction in the name of Jesus. We thank you for these things, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, Please visit us online at onecostchurch.com.